0: Advanced special effects. Guys have you like that. <laughs> Two
1: mug wipes today, so we blew the budget.
0: Good morning everybody.
1: Hey gang. Oh got my workout. Now I'm out of breath.
0: Woo! It's the post-dev learn idiotic. How's everybody doing today?
1: Hmm. Good morning. Lots of folks joining us in the chat. Um, Lots of folks chiming in right off the bat with where they're from. And we're like, we're all over the map. Ooh, that's kind of fun.
0: We are. You know, it's hard for us to get the Australians and the New Zealands, because it's like I'd give it a 75. It's got a good beat, but you can't dance to it.
1: Yeah. We could, we could. sample it.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Is that on our end? Um, I suspect so. Hang on a but second. But it's weird that it didn't show up beforehand. <laughs> Scott's going to dance to it. <laughs> um, you mean hold my coffee, Scott?
2: We're getting a lot of feedback from somebody.
1: Okay. Um.
0: Yeah, it shouldn't be on our end.
1: But it is weird that it wasn't happening ahead.
0: Right. It, 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 we've had this happen before, where when we're in the green room, it's it's totally echo free, and then we go live. And all of a sudden, something with the audio in the platform changes. So, hmm. um, it, how long is the cord on that snowball microphone?
3: I
2: think we're okay. Yeah, it didn't. It, oh.
1: Wait. It's a very cool. Oh, how does that sound? Echo is gone.
0: Oh yeah i think we're good
1: just a moment
0: <laughs> hey everybody in the chat uh, Thanks for <laughs> dropping in where you're at today good to hear from all of you we're talking design thinking this morning so if you guys have any questions at all about it we do have a question for you we're going to ask while we're doing this technical stuff we wanted to ask how many of you have actually done projects using a design thinking methodology of some sort Drop it into the chat and let us know. Nope, no, we're back to it.
1: <laughs> Alex is chiming in with a positive to that question. That's cool. Nice.
0: Cool. Yeah, one thing we can do, guys, is um, uh, you can mute your microphone um, while we're talking, and then just and then unmute it when you guys are talking. It, it's kind of wonky to have to do that, but it might be uh, the one way for us to get around that for now.
2: Try
1: to find the controls.
3: If you just uh, scroll over your
1: image in the Crowdcast, uh, then a little menu pops up over top of yourself.
0: Yeah, and that settings wheel will help. <laughs> so, so let's see, just Alex has done some design thinking, huh? Oh, and Ian. Okay. Ian is
1: chimed in, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, we've had a few conversations, um, a couple or three anyway, here on Idiotic about this area of topicality in the past, but I think it's something that's still pretty fresh for most folks in our world anyway. Um, yeah.
0: So. Oh, all right. Oh, he's gonna reconnect, all right. Yeah
1: see what happens but
0: oh. oh, it oh, now it's even better <laughs> can you, you can you guys hear us okay but you okay but your microphone is muted
1: Yep. Yep. and you, if you guys just uh, yeah if you guys are in charge of that that's brilliant Cool. Um, so actually, what we'll do is, uh, Mark's got a great question, and maybe we'll ask that question right after uh, we introduce our, uh, our, our committee of guests here today. We have with us uh, David Elliott, Charlene Lapointe, and Christian Sabarin from the Canadian School of Public Service. Um, and maybe what we'll do is get you guys to come off mute and just do a quick introduction of yourselves, just so people understand, you know, your individual backgrounds. Um, and then also introduce what we're talking about here today is something that you guys are actually starting to work on on a particular project. So maybe give us a sense of that uh, that project as well as part of the uh, in the int- in your self introduction. So I'll stop talking now.
4: Thanks. Oh, All right.
2: Does it sound okay? All right. Um, so uh, my name is David Elliott, and uh, my my role here is. Uh, so... Sorry, right.
4: that should stop.
2: Here we go. Sorry. All right. Let's try this. Um, so I'm a senior learning experience designer. So I uh, help facilitate and lead teams using uh, design thinking in the application of uh, developing learning products and learning experiences. And so we call that learning experience design, but it's basically design thinking in the learning field. And these are my colleagues, so I'll turn it over to Charlene.
3: So Charlene, I'm also a senior learning experience designer, uh, working currently as one of the co-leads on uh, a big flagship project that we're um, where, where we're reimagining how uh, managers in the public service uh, get to um, use their financial delegations. So it's a big project.
4: And I'm Christian Sabourin. I'm a web developer, uh, I had no prior experience whatsoever <laughs> <laughs> in uh, UX, um, so this is, has been a very great learning experience for me. and. Uh, the participation in the project uh, got us to do some innovative stuff. We'll be talking about that later. And I think maybe it was interesting just
2: just hearing Charlene introduce the project that we worked on. And I don't know if people understood what that is. But um, it might have sounded dry, uh, and it might have sounded like something not to get excited about. And I will admit that I might have felt that way when the project was introduced to me. But getting to work with that content through the design thinking methodology with a collaborative, multidisciplinary team, it's it's been totally fascinating. So it's uh, that alone, I think, is a message to uh, to to give to people that uh, just the methodology itself can make almost any content uh, a pleasure to interact with and and, and re- reimagine.
3: So. I remember in the research phase, uh, we were we were talking to a lot of different users, managers who had been uh, using the, the current version and um they were saying like one of the sound bites that we got was you can't make this stuff fun and so we thought all right challenge accepted let's make let's let's figure out a way to make this learning experience uh more uh more pleasant for everyone and i i I think we're getting there yes Yep. oh
1: So, um, Mark in the chat did ask, and I think it's maybe a good place to throw something in right now. Mark in the chat did ask, you know, what is design thinking, even? So maybe let's let's start from that perspective and then start talking about, I guess, what it's what you're using it for, and et cetera, in your particular project. And I'll go back on mute here. Okay. Yeah, that's a great question. Oh, we're really.
2: Is there an echo? Oh, uh, it's good. It's good. Yeah. Let's go with that. I've got uh, a little definition that I put together myself for this. Oh, just a moment. I'm willing to say okay. (laughs) We're getting a lot of delay and echo here. There we go. Uh, so I would say uh, design thinking is a collaborative working format used to identify problems and produce desirable feasible and viable solutions. Through an iterative process of testing and refining based on engagement and feedback, uh, user engagement and feedback. And I think what's a, a couple of things that are key with that definition is that the, the collaborative part is huge, the iterative part is essential, So it's not just the first idea you come up with, it's putting that idea out there, trying to come up with lots of ideas, putting them out there, testing them. The user feedback is absolutely essential. Um, But what's unique about, I think, design thinking is the really conscious problem identification phase, which often people kind of jump, they see a symptom, they think they've they've diagnosed it and they start moving to solution. So I think that's a, a critical thing to make note of. And um, I also think that people might get the sense the, um, that the creative aspect, the brainstorming that they hear about is just you know maybe pie in the sky. But there is filtering, and that's why I mentioned the desirable, feasible, and viable solutions. So there's, it's not just dreaming up, imagine of things, and just having fun. Uh, there is that aspect, but then you then contain the work and use criteria to sort what solutions you will actually pursue. So there's, I think, um, from the outsider, what people might hear about the imaginative work that's done or the creative work that's done that it's not uh, productive work, uh, that all leads to it's amazingly productive work, uh, in our opinion, I would say. Mm-hmm.
3: I think one of the, the key things, oh. too. Oh.
2: Yeah, go ahead.
3: Yeah, it's, is to... Um,
1: so, so I was just going to ask then, I so guess. I
3: think one of, what the, one of the key things as well in what you're saying here is that we're not just coming up with ideas and, and going crazy with that. We are doing that when we're diverging. But then we come to a point where we say, OK, we've got all these options. Now let's converge. Let's pick one and go with that and test it with users so that when we come back, we can say, OK, that worked or that didn't work. And so we can take it into a, a different direction or keep going in that same direction but refine it and make it more and more. And, and I think
2: what's interesting with that and one of the messages we wanted to, to promote is you know this a culture that accepts failure but when we we're having that discussion and I actually was talking with our, our director last night about this and while that's certainly a message that we want to convey and promote the word failure isn't common in our discussions and and we reflected on that a little bit and it's the fact that it's not that we don't have failures is that when the failure happens we don't feel bad about it it's not in this negative typical light of the word failure it's like oh that taught us something we can now move forward in an informed way and so while the failures are actually pretty frequent they're all productive and informative And so that word, we don't, it's not the way that we talk about the experience. like, oh, the users taught us something. The users told us something. We learned something from that. And that's the, to me, it's, you know, there's this, uh, you know, optimist, pessimist, glass half full, half empty. To me, the glass is always full because there's always something that (laughs) with the worst, (laughs) the worst day out and the feedback you get, it's like, now I know how to move forward and, and not to go down that wrong path. So it's, yeah. I think,
3: I think so, the culture is there to remove the idea of blame. When you have failure, you know, you you, yeah. you, you tried we something. Interest? We're courageous in trying something. You went out there and tried it. Didn't work. All right, let's try something else. Moving on.
1: Yeah. Could, could you guys help us by understanding or, or giving us a bit of info about the actual, the problem then? You mentioned, you know, identifying a problem. So tell us a little bit more about that so we all have a better understanding of what you were what you were using the tool of design thinking to to achieve um i'll start off a little bit the um initially so
2: there was a a mandate offered to us and the current product had been in existence for a while and there was definitely user feedback saying that they weren't too happy with it um and it's also it's 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 a bit complicated because it's tied in with multiple other Offerings uh, and it is an online uh, experience, uh, but we wanted to rather than than taking that information at face value, you 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 want to probe on it and talk to people and and find out what's actually happening for the user, not just the the level one evaluation data and say what's
4: what's happening there. So I'll maybe ask you guys to pitch in on some more. Um, Initially, uh, we were told, "Okay, develop an online product." But we we've actually went further and said, "Okay, is there a problem? What is the problem? And what is it that the well, in our case, are the the target market is managers. What is it that managers want to do their job? Uh, so we've asked a lot of questions, like a lot of questions, <laughs> <laughs> and we've been able to prioritize and differentiate what were the priorities, uh, of, of the managers of their job and using those data, we've been able to streamline a problem.
2: Well, I think, I think one of the things that was really interesting, uh, and I'm experiencing this on, I'm on another project and I'm in the, the research phase of that one right now is how initially when you do the research. Often there's, there's not a screaming problem, or it's it's not clear. Or in, and when you look at some things like like the existing product, it's not wrong. It doesn't have errors in it, and it is a support piece for people. So in some ways, you can be like, you know, it's kind of okay. Maybe it could be a little bit better. But then when you really look under the hood and really take it apart, and what we found was it was a course. It was a lot of why you should be doing this, not how you should be doing this, and that was in some sense seems so fundamental and basic, but that was almost the revolution that, that came from the insights and the discussions and, and taking it apart and saying, people need to, we want them to do this task correctly, therefore we need to tell them how to do the task, not why they should do the task. And that paradigm shift really reorients what goes into the course, how you present the content for the course, uh, how you interact with the learner, and that that simple, why versus how was massive in in the orientation of how the project then unfolded
3: so we we still keep a little bit of the how but it's a lot less policy-based and more task-based so managers who are new with this or who need to recertify every five years they actually get a a, a clue as to how to perform their work so that's been a a, a big shift another big uh, important piece in our research phase was um, that we have to look at what's what is our legal obligation. So we work for government, so there there's some there's a context there. So we have to look at okay what what are the actual policies by which we are bound, um, and what actually needs to be um, uh, in that certification that allows them legally to be able to sign off on their delegation. So we had to think about that, um,
2: and, and yeah. Well, and then, and just to, to maybe close that off, the other thing that came out early was. What is the point of this thing? What are we trying to do? And the course before okay, it was, you know, authority delegation module five, finance or something. And we said this whole thing is about responsible use of public funds. If that's the message, that's the title of the course. <laughs> and it was these really again, it feels basic even when we share it, but it's it's a paradigm shift on like what is the what are we trying to accomplish here. What are the messages we want to convey? Let's be absolutely clear about what we're trying to do.
3: There's something really important that happened here because, um, you know, in in this shift, and we're talking about culture here, right? Like, we're there, there was a there was a shift that happened because this was the first time that we worked um, in our unit on on maybe at the school in a design thinking way. So we needed to clear a path. To be able to make our own decisions, changing the title of a, of a product—it's a big deal. Um, but we, we did that because it made sense. It made sense with the product, it made sense with what we heard from the users, um, and 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 so we've noticed that there's some key elements that need to happen for a, a group to be able to to be healthy and functioning in an org, within an organization. If we're going to be using Design thinking uh, or user-centric methodologies. So it starts from the top. There needs to be a path that's cleared. And so I don't know if we, if that's what you guys are curious about. But.
2: <laughs> well, I, I guess where I would maybe the, the the stepping stone is in contrast, I think it's, I find that useful that it's you know it's not waterfall and it's not management saying. This is the problem. This is the solution I would like to see implemented. Go now, manufacture that for me. And it's definitely not that. And that's where the, the Trojan horse is, is that if you adopt this methodology and say, I want to be user centered. Well, then you got to get out of the way and say that you don't know what the problem is. You don't know what the solution is. And you got to let the team go and find all that out and explore and experiment and find those answers.
3: Like we talked a lot, you guys might yeah. have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got some questions,
2: or let's see what the audience is thinking.
1: Yeah, so um I, I would want to, maybe let's just clarify then the the cultural Trojan horse that uh, that you're talking about is changing your own organization's cultural approach then to creating or providing you know the training solutions then is that that's that's what we're focused on or that's what you're seeing so far is that. Uh, that it's a way of change. the design thinking approach is actually a change for your own organization's training aspect is that what we're thinking here
2: so it's we're getting a lot of feedback still on your voice uh chris but i think what i heard um the this project this adt project the authority delegation project was the first time the the uh, the canada school of public service had tried out this really committed Attempt at applying design thinking. Some earlier attempts that happened, and maybe Charlene can speak to that, um, with good intention, but not with the same kind of support and structure and and clear methodology. It was just like what we used to do didn't work. Let's try something different, but they didn't. The, the something new wasn't fully supported and articulated. Versus this time, it was. There is a methodology that exists. Let's use that. Let's fully commit to it not dip our toes in it but say there needs to be a multidisciplinary team they need a place to work (laughs) they're going to need time to do the work and that was um we just had fantastic management that that created that was committed to that allowed for that uh and then uh, right now i'm starting another uh project using the same methodology here at the school um as another kick at the can uh but i think um this this project is it's not complete, but it's it has proven itself already. And um, while these projects they they, they all take time, uh, it's there's just been so many fruits of the labor seen uh, in uh, the product itself, how the work is done, the team uh, effectiveness. Um, and one thing that was very really interesting for us, and what you could tell was different in government is when we were out soliciting feedback, we would get unsolicited comments about, I'm really glad to have this opportunity to comment or to contribute. And that in itself is another culture shift. Uh, But it was nice to hear that without having to probe or (laughs) fish for it, that um, people uh, recognize that and then were generous with sharing uh, that input
4: with us. Uh, I think there, we can't hear you uh, that well, but I think you mentioned a part about training uh, and training has been part of the foundation of the group as well. Uh, most of us have been reading a book called Sprint uh, that uh, gave us direction, a bit about the direction, uh, the how we should proceed. Uh, we've been going through, uh, sh- should I name them, Uh, The uh, IDOU training uh, about design thinking and the Stanford training uh, also about design thinking. And that helped us a lot practice those skills and make them, uh, integrate them into our process.
1: Mm -hmm.
4: And I
2: think that's uh, on that, I think what's a key thing is that, you know, I was kind of the design thinking facilitator. But providing all those learning opportunities, it wasn't, there's a, there's a transparency and a egalitarianism, at least that I wanted to uh, convey with the team. So it wasn't me, oh, I'm the expert and I'm the only one who has the recipe book and I'm the only one who knows the next step. Everybody got brought into how this methodology works and, 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 and played parts. And, and Christian here, uh, uh, I don't know if he'd done I don't think he did interviews before. I don't think he led the uh, discussion groups. And he saw us do it and then he started to do it. And uh, we, we use some things from the um, improv field. Uh, there's a concept called follow the follower. So where the, the leader changes as needed and, and dynamically and that kind of thing, we encourage that and want that to happen. So it's uh, there's not um, some mastermind who's guiding the thing. It's a collaborative thinking, deciding, working process.
3: Especially in the context where, you know, you can talk about design thinking, you can talk about uh, user-centric methodologies, but really you have to look at where you're working and how do you apply that here, in this context, with this governance, with the way that, you know, the the current priorities, like how, how does that actually translate into the here and now? Um, And so having as you mentioned, we have really good um, vision from our from our management team who said we're going to create some space and and, and physically created some space where multidisciplinary teams um, moved in together um, to be able to work together and overhear each other's conversations and continuously work uh, collaboratively. We meet every morning scrum uh, type uh, meetings, you know, we keep each other accountable and support each other again, try to take away like the, the, the blame culture and really like how, how might we, the how might we question has pushed us through so many uh, different situations. And so it's really about like creating that bubble so that this group can work together, but in a context that, that exists. And that context, that outer layer is the culture And one of the ways, and and maybe you want to talk about the reporting out and and how that impacts the outer shell.
4: Yes, definitely. Um, Well, we're working in uh, two-week sprints. Um, So basically starting uh, on a Tuesday and working four days a week uh, in two-week sprints. And at the end of these two weeks, we have a sprint report. And now... In government, we might be used to reporting up, but in this case, we're reporting out. Uh, So everybody's invited uh, to those print reports. And when I say everybody, we literally have people from other departments coming in now. Uh, And we're sharing our methodologies, our lesson learns, our progress. Uh, We celebrate our successes. Uh, We highlight where we... Uh, what were our pain points, learning points. Uh, As we say, we don't talk much about failure per se because everything is a learning experience. Um, So we share how many um, people we've interviewed that week uh, in that sprint period because in every every sprint period we do interview people. Uh, So our progress is always tested against um, uh, tested against real life users and we're sharing that in, the, in our uh, sprint report. And it had the effect that upper management was there. So we were kind of reporting up, but not really because we were not asking for permission. We were just saying, here is what we've done. Here is what we've accomplished and um, at least the upper management could report to even upper management. Say, "Hey, these guys are working. They're working hard, and it's giving res- it's giving result." Even though at first, uh, the our sprint reports were a lot more about process and lesson learns. Now it's really about accomplishments and progress on the the production. Yeah. and you know, it's a common recommended practice.
2: Um, but I think it had a lot more value than I anticipated originally. It's all the things that Cassiana has just mentioned, but, and it, you know, it takes a bit of time to prepare the report and to deliver the report. But the fact that the team gets to stop and say, holy cow, look at, look at all the people we talked to and all the things we did and all the things we learned, it helps you reflect on your effort, acknowledge and celebrate the the accomplishment. And it also helps you synthesize and, and reflect on, oh, Okay, there's you know there's these several insights that came up over this just this two week period that's that's adding to our understanding and our ideas of, of the project. So, to me, they're immensely valuable in the the group dynamic, in the relationship with management, with um, yeah sharing uh, with other other groups. As Christian mentioned, we it's an open invite. Um, we have lots of different people in the room, but we also do this. Basically, we webcast uh, the Sprint report so anybody in government, uh, and it could be really anybody anywhere uh, across the country can join in and, and hear what we're up to and, and engage with us and ask questions in the, in the question and answer period.
3: And that Sprint report also allows us to do some, some reflecting and, and orient the next steps. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's,
2: that's,
3: that's really helpful.
1: Cool. So we have a couple of questions um, that have been asked in the question panel. Hopefully you guys can hear me. Hope um, has popped in a question. And I think part of what your conversation so far has talked about, about this, but she is asking um, what if management perceives, they know what the problem is and has a general solution you were supposed to implement. How does design thinking fit?
2: Yeah, that's an excellent. (laughs) That's a a challenge, and
1: it's an excellent question.
2: What's really nice um, with the design thinking is that that problem of identification phase, uh, often referred to as an empathize phase, and that things are evidence based. It's not I think I saw uh, this kind of thing. My gut feeling. My gut feeling, (laughs) and we, we definitely that's it comes up, but then it's like you got to show me some proof, <laughs> show me some evidence. And it's not, uh, you know, I need to do a 4,000 person survey and have, you know, massive statistical analysis on it. But, you know, if you go and talk to a dozen people in the right target group, and they point you in a different direction, you need to listen to that and be responsive to that. So that was one thing. And it this also plays out in the, in the ideation, the solution development phase, which is, again, I might come up with my own baby that I'm like wow I think I've solved this and I've got the best thing going um, but uh, the uh, you're still with us, I hope yeah okay um, the uh, again when you come up with the, the potential ideas they need to be tested so it's not I think I have the solution it's like I have a potential solution now I'm gonna show it to some users and they're gonna tell me whether or not I'm right <laughs> and we might have three different ideas. We might all like the same idea. I might think Christiane's idea is crazy. We can argue a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) We can argue a little bit, but really it just comes down to, let's stop having this discussion here. Tomorrow, let's go out, (laughs) interview some people and show it to them and they can settle our discussion.
3: The other part of that, one of the skills that I find is crucial in, in working in this way is to be able to Uh, tell a good story, if you can use the data, transform that data into storytelling, and then you bring that up to the the powers that be, (laughs) and you say, here's what the data says, and here's the value that we think we can bring by answering this question, I think that's half the battle, maybe three quarters of the battle. If you're not good, and I'm I'm just going to be really humble and, and, and saying that, this is a skill that I've been developing over the last uh, few months is is how do I tell the story? How do I make it sure that what, what I think the users are saying, that message actually reaches the right people? I've been really practicing that and I don't know how you can do this work if you're not a good storyteller mm-hmm. using data.
2: And I, and I think what's to support that the, there's a complexity with the data because it's, you know, Oh, a focus group, you know, told us some of this stuff, and some of the level one data says some of this, and the reaction to this prototype was this, and there's a lot of synthesis that needs to be done, and if you just tell that story in a disjointed way, you know, evaluation data said that, period, stop, you need to connect all those dots and paint a picture that brings all that together and says all of this is pointing in a certain direction, and that's the the storytelling helps, um, I think, the group <laughs> synthesize, but also uh, get others on board with the direction you're taking because you've been able to um, convey a lot of information
3: in a nice package. That's digestible and that that people can take and, and, and report themselves back up with. Or, yeah. you know. I hope that answers the question. <laughs> no,
1: I think it's yeah, interesting that I- the... the, the you're using information to help people change their minds about the process, not just about uh, changing and behaviors of your target audience as well. (laughs) Um, Hope Hope has another question in the in the in the question list as well. Uh, Are there things that uh, use cases where maybe design thinking doesn't actually make sense?
2: Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. I don't know where the line is, (laughs) but there are, there are situations where, you know, what the problem is and the solution. And I would say those are, you know, situations that you've encountered before. And that the best using storytelling, an example, I would say is, you know, when you've got a flat tire and there's a nail sticking out of it, you don't need to brainstorm or do more (laughs) research to say, is this really the source of the leak? And then you also don't need to brainstorm on how could I patch this? we know how to patch tires, use the method that's tried and tested. Don't say, I'm going to try duct tape this time. I'm going to try crazy glue. No. So there are situations like that, but I would also say that the the scary part or the dangerous part is uh, waterfall projects work in that way that they're like, oh, we think we know the problem. We think we've seen this before. And we think we have a solution. And I I don't know. There's not a lot of waterfall projects that work, you know, the way that they're dreamed up on paper at the initial phase and play out exactly as planned and hit the target that they think they're going to hit. You might
3: be missing opportunities to do something better, to do something more interesting to be Just because you haven't asked yourself the question Mm -hmm. of what actually is the issue, how, you know, how might the best way to address
0: this issue be, right? Mm -hmm. And I think
2: that there's a, a, a trap that, that, that's easy for us to fall into. Fixing things is it's fun, it's easy, you feel like you accomplished something. And uh, one of the thinkers in this space, I think it's Don Norman, uh, with the Nielsen Norman Group, and he talks about human-centered design. And one of the points he talks about is that um, optimizing like an individual unit does not mean you optimize the whole. And definitely there's a systems thinking aspect uh, to design thinking. And I think that's a a trap that uh, I tried to I conveyed to the group when we started because when we looked at the, the the current offering, it was like, boy, this paragraph could be clearer. Wow, this this visual here could make you know could could be done so much better. Even if we did that, it still would it would have been a course that would have addressed the that why topic rather than the how topic. And so, optimizing those individual components really wouldn't have got us down the road at all. We could and just step back yeah. even further. Yeah, and,
4: you know. yeah. To come back to the question, um, I'd have a quick answer saying, if you don't need many people fixing that problem, <laughs> you, don't have, you don't necessarily need design thinking. Uh, if you do need to assemble a team or to have a process going on, then design thinking might be a good solution because you have to rethink The process as well as the product, and but then again, for changing a single tire, well, all it it, requires—well, in my case, is my dad. Um, But uh, (laughs) borrow, borrow one single person. (laughs) (laughs) That's right.
3: Um, There's there's definitely conditions of success, though. Like you, you you can say, you know, what's what's a good project? What's a bad project? But honestly, if you have, even if you have a good project, there needs to be some some conditions for. Project to be able to work um, having some trust uh, within the organization you know trust your group to be able to do the thing trust each other within the group to be able to do the thing I think is a big one uh, uh, think about how power is distributed um, within the group um, think about how you know the language we talked about failure versus learning experiences so and and, and do you have the commitment of everyone like do you have subject matter if you don't, maybe your project doesn't work at all. So, do you have all the pieces that you need in order to be able to make that that garden flower? You know, like not just planting the seeds, but are they actually uh, working?
2: Uh, and I, this is the last point I would say with this is um, I think of the uh, Abraham Maslow quote where he says, you know, if all you have is a hammer, every problem you see is a nail. And I think that the traditional waterfall approaches to complex projects. Can play out that way when, as Charlene said, you might be missing, might be missing the boat entirely, or you might be missing just amazing alternative solution opportunities that you're denying yourself to even explore. Um, so, yeah,
3: like this big bias that you have. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, very, very good stuff today, you guys. What a perfect place to wrap up. You guys put a nice, fine talk on the end there. I I love it how storytelling and improv and a lot of these topics come up in conversations around design thinking and how we can utilize that to solve problems in the work that we do. Fantastic. Thank you, guys.
1: Yeah, thanks so much, guys. Thanks for joining us (laughs) this (laughs)
0: week. (laughs) We flew by. Yeah.
1: Whoa, where'd it go? It's time
0: to dance, bro. Yeah. Okay. Hey, how can people get a hold of you guys before we go real quick? Oh, boy. I'm on Twitter. Mm-hmm. In that point. I'm-
2: yeah, uh, Twitter and uh, LinkedIn uh, for me. And uh, I can share some stuff that maybe you guys could just post uh, as well. And um, Sounds good. That. Yeah. Yeah, ha- happy to share. That's why we did this. And uh, um, so, yeah. Please reach out if you're
0: interested. Awesome. Sounds good, you guys. Hey, everybody, thank you in the chat for hanging out with us. Let's dance out of here.